Hello and welcome to Eyes on Research, the podcast that digests the latest scientific innovations in eye research using simple and understandable terms. I am your host, Thales Guimarães, medical doctor and clinician scientist at Northfield's Eye Hospital. Welcome everyone to another, I think it's fair to say, insightful episode of Eyes on Research. This is episode number 14. It's been quite quite a few months now that I have started this. So thank you so much for sharing, for listening to the things I have to say, and for helping me on this quest to make the latest advancements in ocular science, which sometimes can be complicated, digested, and available to the broad population. Thank you so much for that. I hope you guys are safe and sound and having a good week so far. Today, we are diving deep into a very modern disease that affects millions of people around the globe, dry eye syndrome. Without further ado, let's dive right in. As a brief and concise definition, dry eye syndrome occurs when there is a disruption in the quantity or quality of tears leading to insufficient lubrication for the eyes. So we can say, essentially, that this is a dysfunction of the nasolacrimal unit of the eyes, which is composed of corneal surface, eyelids, and the nasolacrimal glands. The tear film not only functions to provide lubrication to the eye and removing debris from the surface of the eye, but is also uh, there to maintain nutrition and oxygenation of ocular structures. What's even more remarkable is that the maintenance of a physiologically complete tear film is imperative for normal vision, since it is responsible, along with the cornea, for focusing light into the correct plane in the retina. Now it's easy to understand the symptoms of dry eyes, right? It can result in irritation, redness, pain, and even blurred vision which may cause difficulties in tasks that require focused vision, such as, for example, reading, doing computer work, playing video games. This can affect productivity for work-related tasks, right? And also overall well-being. It's more than just a noisance. Now, let's explore the causes and risk factors contributing to dry eye syndrome. Factors like, for instance, age, gender, environmental conditions, and certain medical conditions can play a role in this syndrome. Aging, for instance, often reduces the tear production, and women are more prone to dry eyes, especially during hormonal changes. You may have heard that women with menopause have a higher likelihood of having dry eyes, and that is actually correct. One important piece of information is that dry eye syndrome can be caused by a wide list of diseases, right? From hormonal imbalance, autoimmune diseases, history of previous eye surgeries, nerve damage, amongst others. These are just a few that come to mind right now. This list is huge though, and it's impossible to cover all in one episode, but let's focus in the most common ones. In the autoimmune field, for instance, Jogren syndrome is an autoimmune disorder that affects the salivary and lacrimal glands and represents a relatively common cause of severe dry eyes. What about diabetes? Well, 
It's highly associated with dry eye syndrome, regardless if diabetes type 1 or diabetes type 2. Albeit, it is more common in the type 2. You know, it can reach prevalences of up to 55% of patients. That's more than half of patients with diabetes having dry eyes. So it's definitely more common in type 2 than in type 1. But it can also happen in diabetes type 1. Type 1, for those who are wondering, is the insulin-dependent um, type of diabetes. Now, the main reason for this is that the high levels of glucose have been shown to activate an enzyme named aldose reductase that functions by catalyzing the conversion of glucose to cytotoxic sorbitol. And this sorbitol, when in high quantities in the cells, lead to programmed cell death, what we call apoptosis, and subsequently a dysfunction in the lacrimal glands followed by, of course, a reduction in tear secretion. And that's uh, how patients with diabetes tend to get dry eyes. Now, remember, I started the episode saying that this is a rather modern disease, right? Well, there are environmental influences that are well known to cause dry eye syndromes. Tobacco consumption, so smoking, not only conventional cigarettes, but also electronic cigarettes, the most frequent cause this day, though, is probably long-term usage of computers, tablets, and cell phones. Some research has shown that users blink less when using these devices, which essentially prevents the formation of a stable tear film, and therefore leads to a faster rate of tear evaporation, right? Now, it's not that the dry eye syndrome is a disease that has only happened now, it's a disease that happens for many years, but living in the world of technology that we live in, everyone has their own cell phones in their pockets, and we use computers and tablets for our work every single day. So that increases the likelihood of having dry eyes. So how do we make that diagnose, right? Which is one question that I get my patients uh, asking me quite a few times. Well, advancements in diagnostic tools, such as, for example, tear osmolarity tests, imaging of the tear glands, they all allow for a more accurate and timely diagnosis, right? And early detection is crucial because it enables prompt intervention and management strategies. But if you go to your ophthalmologist, he'll be well-trained to diagnose um, dry eyes with very simple measures. Sometimes even just putting some drops in your eyes, those orangish drops uh, that we call fluorescing, um, that have this orange hue that makes you look like uh, you came out of a, of a circus after you leave the ophthalmologist, um, that can actually allow them to diagnose dry eye syndromes. So, you know, um, early detection is crucial. And what about in the same line, right? What about treatment options? Well, research is very active in this area. There are many clinical trials for this right now, particularly given its worldwide extremely high prevalence. So this is a disease that happens, or should I say a condition that happens many, many times, uh, has a very high prevalence amongst the globe. So this is uh, why there's a lot of people interested in treating this. Many types of treatments are being tested, right? It's not only eye drops. So there are biologics, 
which are specific medications that involve complex bioengineering, drugs, delivery, uh, device systems, right? All the devices to deliver drops inside the eye. There's 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 a, there's a big, very big variety of things being tested in clinical trial. As technology advances, we can you know anticipate more tailored and effective solutions for those struggling with dry eyes. The current treatment of dry eye syndrome, as in what we do right now, what is available to us typically involves artificial tears or lubricant eye drops, however you want to call them, medications, lifestyle adjustments, uh, which are common strategies. However, new therapies like, for instance, prescription eye drops, in-office procedures, uh, they are providing hope for more effective relief. It's essential for individuals with dry eye syndrome to work closely with their eye care professionals to find the most suitable management plan. And with all these new medications reaching the market, this will be at each week the best is a little bit more personalized. That's the beauty of personalized medicine, isn't it? Now, how can we prevent dry eye syndrome? You know, in truth, while some factors are beyond our control, adopting a few self-care practices can contribute to eye health. For example, Stay hydrated, take breaks from screens, consider using a humidifier in dry environments. Reducing your smoking habit is not only good for general health, right? But may also avoid eye symptoms as suggested in a large study published a couple of months ago in the journal named JAMA Ophthalmology. So possibly prevention is the best thing to do. If not, early detection and early treatment to avoid very uncomfortable symptoms. I think that wraps up our exploration of dry eye syndrome. It provides an essence of what it is, why it happens, and what is coming in the near future. Remember that we, we try to keep the episodes short, uh, below 10 to 15 minutes, for the specific reason uh, uh, that we want to make this as accessible as possible to everyone. A special thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Remember, your eye health is crucial. So if you are experiencing persistent symptoms of dry eyes, do not hesitate to consult with your eye care professional. Stay tuned for more episodes on the latest inocular research. Until next time, and as we say, keep your eyes on research. Guys, if you like what we do, Please consider sharing and liking this episode and following us to hear more. We have new episodes every Wednesdays. I should also say that we have social media accounts in the handle at Eyes on Research, where we post short videos all the time about teams that did not become full episodes. So Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it, we have it. So do check us out. Also, feel free to visit our website, www.eyesonresearch.org. There you can find ways to support us, and albeit it's very much optional, it's indeed highly appreciated. I'll see you in the next episode. I wish you have an amazing week. Bye-bye.